What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Engage 8 Podcast. I'm your host, Zach, with my two co-hosts, Josh and Mike. Today, we're going to be recapping week 10 of the NFL season. And today's Monday, actually. We had a little bit of scheduling issue, so we couldn't record during Sunday night football. So we're getting this done before Monday night football. So we'll have all those games up until the Monday night game where the Broncos are playing the Bills for you. All right, want to get us started, Josh? Yep, Thursday night football, your Bears in a sad, sad game beat the Carolina Panthers. Uh, 16 to 13. I believe now this puts Tyson Bajant above Justin Fields uh, for wins on the season. So that's fairly interesting. And is it as many or less games? Do you know? I mean, I assume less. I'm just going to answer my own less. question and say less there. But <laughs> regardless, he now has more wins than Fields. He's more of a winning quarterback than Fields. Uh, anyways, on a real note, though, this game kind of just sucked. Um, it's so, it was, it's been what, five days now? And I've kind of just, taking this brain this game completely out of my memory but i guess good win for the bears to uh, improve their draft position uh with the panthers pick also you have the cardinals win uh from yesterday which also helps them so they got a they had a big draft pick week but i mean bears suck and they beat a barely beat a team that also sucks i mean this like you said josh this game was bad but it definitely wasn't as bad as the sunday night game in my opinion you still had a couple of really nice plays from a couple of players in this game, uh, especially in the Bears defense. They went the entire game without allowing a touchdown. The only touchdown scored was a special teams touchdown on a punt return, which by it was by former Bear Amir Smith-Marset, I believe, who was on the Bears last year and fumbled away the game against the Vikings on the road in week five. But that's neither here or there. Donta Foreman, he played really well again, uh, 21 carries for 80 yards and a touchdown. And the offensive line allowed no sacks. The offense committed no turnovers. And I think that was the first time since, I don't know, I don't, remember, I don't remember the exact date, but it was at least 20 years, I'm pretty sure, since the last time that happened. So that was really nice to see. And receiving-wise, DJ Moore had a relatively quiet day, only five catches for 458 yards. He caught, his, he caught a pass on the very first play of the game, and I was like, all right, this is going to be a game where he gets like six, seven, eight catches, and it's going to be a really dominant day because no one on that entire defensive back room can really hold his jockstrap. But they stopped targeting him, and what, even when they did, it was like five or six yards out of bounds. So Tyson Bajan, you're a backup quarterback at best. I need to see Justin Fields back out here, get a full assessment of what he can be throughout these last seven games against some good competition. Yeah. Yeah, this was just uh, kind of what you expected going into this game. Bears passing offense, it wasn't great, but like you said, no turnovers, no sacks. So that's a win for him. Dante Foreman continues to be the go-to back for them. 21 carries for 80 yards, a touchdown. I was hoping for a little bit more Roshan Johnson, like I said, but Dante Foreman has really taken over this backfield. Bears had seven different players with a carry, which I found was very interesting. I think three of them only had one carry, but nevertheless, Cole Komet, he continues to play well. He had five catches for 45 yards. It's nice to see the Bears continue to get their young tight end involved. That has locked up for the next few years. And their Bears defense, they played well against Bryce Young in this offense. The Panthers couldn't run the ball. They really had no rushing attack. And they really, their only big play was Bryce Young scrambling around and trying to get a play, which isn't really his strong suit. Mike Strawn coming up from the Panthers practice squad, former Colt, Megastron had a solid game. He had one catch for 45 yards, but that was able enough to lead the Panthers in receiving. So they need, still need to find Bryce Young weapons. Really, all he has is Adam Thielen. He led the team in receptions with six, but 
They just need to find some sort of skill over on that offensive side of the ball. They just don't have anything. Uh, they just need something to give Bryce Young just some juice. They just, they just look bland out there. But nice win for the Bears. They were able to get the win and improve their draft pick, so it's a win-win situation. Moving on here to the the Germany game, Colts beating the Patriots 10-6. to uh, in the time you were talking there, I went and just looked back because I know we were talking about how bad these four primetime games are this week. The first three games have delivered us a total of four touchdowns and only three on offense. So just an, an abysmal, abysmal uh, schedule this week. But another one here, close game, but not very entertaining. Colts do get the win against Bill Belichick. Uh, maybe I didn't hear it, but I don't think Bill Belichick's been fired yet. <laughs> This could age poorly for me, but it's not going to. There's no, no, no chance he gets fired. If he leaves, it's because he walked away. But end of the game, same scenario that we've been saying about uh, this Pats team. They, for some reason, this time it was actually in a close game, but they have bench Mac Jones late a couple times early this season, just killing his confidence for virtually no reason. To, uh, last uh, Yesterday, they they did it in, the, in a last drive, crucial scenario to win the game. Bailey Zappi looked pretty decent in his first couple, and then the fake spike bomb happened in the triple coverage, and that was about the end of that game. But overall, like I said, one touchdown in this game uh, came from Jonathan Taylor, who finished with uh, six nine yards on 23 carries. Okay game for him. Uh, Pittman played pretty well, eight catches, 84 yards. Uh, but, yeah, overall, the Colts are up to 500 now, sitting at 5-5, five and five, and – are they are they going to make the playoffs? Maybe not, unless some things go their way. But I mean, I think if you told most Colts fans you could be sitting at five and five and not have Anthony Richardson, I think they take that. Yeah, like you said, Josh, that fake spike into the interception was probably the perfect way to end that just abysmal game by the Patriots on their side. And Mac Jones, he just isn't it. I'm ready for the season to be over and see what Bill Belichick decides to do. Whether they have a top five pick and go quarterback, or he just calls it quits. So, but on the Colts side, we we saw a little bit of it last week where Zach Moss was starting to get phased out of the backfield a little bit in favor of Jonathan Taylor. This week, basically non-existent in the run game, only one carry compared to Jonathan Taylor's 23, like you mentioned, Josh. And yeah, this is Jonathan Taylor's backfield now. I'm glad to see he's back and healthy. Uh, next year, when Taylor and Richardson are both in there healthy, it's going to be a phenomenal thing to watch. I don't have much else to say about this game. It was shitty, but good for the Colts getting back to 500, like you said, and they get to maybe make a push for the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, Colts are 5 and 5 now. In my opinion, they should be 6 and 4, but the referees decided to give Cleveland another game for them, so that's that. Uh Colts offense, they looked great on the first drive. They established a run game. Um they had a touchdown with Pittman that for some reason they didn't decide to challenge and barely got in on fourth down, but got the touchdown. Minshew in the game overall, he really struggled. He seems to just get happy feet in the pocket. The pocket's perfectly fine, and he just runs into the pressure and just can't stay in the clean pocket. So he needs to calm down. The O-line played well. Um, I wish we stuck with the run game a little bit more. Jonathan Taylor still had 23 carries, but it kind of felt like we weren't running the ball as much after that first possession. And he did out-carry Zach Moss 23-1. to I was hoping Zach Moss would get more than one carry. I think Throughout the season, it'll still be maybe like 70-30, not 23-1. to But Colts offense, it struggled. Michael Pittman was, again, the main thing. Josh Downs, he played all right. He was very limited, but big third down late in the game. He makes a spectacular catch to get the Colts a first down and flip the field a little bit. 
And for the Colts on defense, Dio Dango was really the main story. Three sacks. He played great. And the Patriots couldn't get much going on offense, which is what a defense should do against that weak Patriots offense. For the Patriots, uh, just, again, their quarterback is struggling. He has no confidence. You can definitely tell in the interception that he just doesn't look right at all. He played poor. I don't think he deserved the bench on the last possession. He might have played bad, but benching someone on a chance with a game-winning drive just really hurts your team overall, considering he's coming in cold. And Bailey Zappi, he had a nice throw, but a fake spike with a guy who hasn't been in all game is just crazy. I don't understand how that – I don't know if Zappi called that or if Bill O'Brien called it, and I don't but that would have been legendary, though, if it worked out. If it, if it worked out, it would have been legendary. But it, <laughs> as you can see, it didn't really work out for him. And for the Patriots, Robert Kraft, before the game, the night before, he gave a speech to the team on how important it was to win this game. and He wanted to win this game so badly. He was out there in the puff, and his poor Patriots couldn't get it done against the Colts. But nice win for the Colts. They only have two winning teams left on their schedule now. I think it's the Steelers and the Bengals. And the rest of the teams are either 500 or below. So they have a chance to make a run for the playoffs. I don't think they will, but... They've already played Texans twice? Texans, I think, are 500. They're 5-4. Oh, so then they have the Texans one time. Yeah. That's what I was about to say. I knew they played the Jags twice. But... Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a winnable schedule. You can mm-hmm. finish 9-8, 10-7 and, and maybe, sneak in. Yep, still got the Bucks, Titans, Falcons, and the Raiders are the below 500 or below teams so some of those i mean some of those teams i could see being yeah the raiders have their good days the falcons have their good days okay we'll talk about them yeah we'll Well, moving on to a team two teams you just mentioned uh the texans and the Bengals. the texans do get this win to put them above 500 sitting at five and four now cj stroud another phenomenal game he had that one bad pick but finishes with a touchdown 356 yards passing on only 39 attempts devin singletary had 30 carries for 150 yards this is just unbelievable performance from him easily the best game of his career i would say noah brown the former other the former nfc texas team wide receiver is now in the afc and is playing really really well uh, for the Texans, we saw Tank Dell got his touchdown early in the game. Biggest problem, I would say, on the Texans side was the couple CJ Stroud fumbles were tough for them, and then uh, the bad pick, as I mentioned before. Uh, but overall, they were in a good position to win this game from the get go. The Bengals made their second half push. They had a couple drives in a row where I, I think it went field goal, forced three and out, touchdown. And then that's when it was like, okay, the Bengals are going to kick back into gear now here. And then Texans go and respond with a touchdown. And then I believe that's when the two Joe Burrow picks happen. We're right in the uh, beginning or end of the third, beginning of the fourth, I believe. And that kind of put them out of the game. They were in a position to go and uh, come back in this game, win at home. They had all the momentum in that second half. And it kind of just unfolded. And that's really just a sh- showing a good, well-coached, disciplined Texans team. That isn't the oldest team in the league, but they played how they had to play. And they're sitting at five and four now. And you look back at some of their losses. I mean, the one that stands out to everybody, the Panthers lost. They, losing that game was tough. But then you lose to the Falcons, who are up and down. You lose to the Colts, who are up and down. It, and that was at home, too, the Colts game, which, I mean, whatever. With that we are not what, Yeah, whatever. But, <laughs> but, I mean, they lost to the Ravens week one. But outside of that, I mean, this team is a couple of balls bouncing their way from being 
a having a great record, including blowout. Like they blew out the Steelers, who are a playoff team now. They blew out the Jaguars, who are trying to win this division that they're in. This team's legit, man. I re I really like this Texans team. I think this win proved two things to the entire league. Uh, C.J. Stroud is in the MVP conversation, and D'Amico Ryan's is the coach of the year. I know Dan. I know you, Josh, especially will be. On I that know. Dan Campbell he's, he's train. taking it from Dan. I but, know he is. But both of them deserve it. I think you could argue they both do. But the way that the Texans had like very low expectations, they've already like exceeded them. I think it's phenomenal. Uh, like you mentioned, Josh Devin Singletary, career day for him out of just nowhere. I find that very funny. And Noah Brown was phenomenal today, or not today, uh, a couple days ago as well. But on the Bengals side, Burrow, those those interceptions are gonna hurt him. He had a couple of nice throws early in the game, especially that first touchdown to, I believe it was Trenton Irwin down that right sideline. That was a really pretty throw, but those two interceptions, you just can't have those. You need to be better. And those cost him the game. CJ Stroud tried giving the game away and the Bengals uh, converted with a touchdown right afterwards, but he, he bounced back, got him in the field goal range later on. And this was one of many games on Sunday that ended in a walk-off field goal. And I'm loving this Texans team, honestly. Yeah, um, I'm loving this Texans. I'm not loving this Texans team, but I'm loving what I'm seeing from this team. I guess I like CJ Stroud's been incredible. I think at this point he's definitely an MVP candidate, like you said, Zach. And I think he's, in my opinion, right now the best quarterback in the AFC South from what I've seen. Uh, we said that this could be maybe a trap game for the Bengals, but I don't think this really could have been a trap game. I think this Texans team is just that good. Uh, CJ Stroud, he's played incredible. Texans had lost like 13 consecutive non-divisional games dating back to Thanksgiving against Detroit, I think. Mm -hmm. And so they were able to snap that. They're starting to win games. They're learning how to win. Devin Singletary just had an incredible game. Noah Brown. CJ Stroud's doing this with some guys that were just career backups, really. Uh, Kiami Fairburn's hurt. Matt Amendola came in to kick the game-winning field goal. Just a really good win for the Texans on the road. Very impressive for the Bengals. Joe Burrow looked good early. Uh, he had the perfect throw down the sideline for the touchdown. Was celebrating. And then they just kind of struggled for a while. Turned the ball over too much. And just made some uncharacteristic plays. Jamar Chase wasn't completely healthy. He still had a nice, deep touchdown. Trey Hendrickson got hurt. I don't know if you guys saw that injury where the Texans were running up to spike the ball. And he his knee just bent. Luckily, he didn't tear anything. It's just a bad hyperextension, so he'll be back this season. Uh, Texans, they made this game harder than it should have been, but that's just a testament to how good they are. C.J. Stroud, costly second career interception and bounced back from it great. Got them another game-winning drive in back-to-back -back weeks. Uh, you can't leave that much time on the clock for C.J. Stroud, even though he's a rookie. So Texans team are going to be fine for a playoff spot. Yeah, I don't think they're going to be fighting. I think they're going to be in the playoffs easily. I mean, they're they're the rest of their There's schedule. A seed now. Yeah, I mean that's what I'm saying. I mean, the rest of their schedule is cake. That's why D'Amico Ryan's is going to win it over Dan Campbell, even if Dan Campbell goes 13 and three, which is deserved probably because I mean I'm looking at this Arizona. I mean Jags are good. Denver Jets. Titans, Browns, Titans, Colts. I mean, they're probably only going to lose three more games, maybe for the rest of the season. That puts them at what nine, even nine and seven. Actually, no, I take that back. If they're nine and seven, the Lions are thirteen and or fourteen and three or thirteen and four. It, 
it's Dan Campbell's. I mean, didn't Dable win it? Exactly. Dable, this exact same situation happened last year, and they gave it to Dable. It just—it's probably has something to do with the fact that he's Dan a Campbell would be coach. in the Dable position. It's whatever, but I guess we'll argue about that when the time comes. But we got moving, a little while to go. Yeah, moving on here. Uh, plus, we got bigger aspirations than Coach of the Year, but. Um, Next game here, Saints and Vikings. The Vikings win their fifth straight game, uh, which is just insane to see with the rollercoaster they've had losing their quarterback. Josh Dobbs comes in, does just enough to win this game. Uh, Derek Carr, when he was in, he just wasn't making anything happen for this team on offense. He didn't turn the ball over, but at, but at the same time, he didn't do anything for them on offense and they look like they're about to get blown out by the Vikings in Minnesota. He gets hurt. Jameis Winston comes in, throws two picks, throws two touchdowns, pretty, pretty on brand for Jameis. And he brings them back in this game, but there just wasn't enough time late. So I just, I really just cannot believe that the Vikings are in a position where they're sitting at six and four and they are a game and a half back from the Lions. It feels like we're up 40 games on them. We're up a game and a half on the Vikings, which is, I mean, a little scary. We They also haven't played. The um, Vikings and Lions haven't played yet. They don't play until two of the last three weeks of the season. But regardless, just what a huge win for the Vikings. This team is just fighting, man. Up to six and four now without your uh, – without your starting quarterback. And I was looking at the Vikings schedule last night before I was going to bed, just some late night thoughts, but um, they have a cake schedule as well for the rest of the season. They have at Broncos versus bears at Raiders at Bengals. And then they got two Lions games and a Packers game. Their only hard games left are two Lions and the Bengals. They can beat the Bengals. I think they get swept by the Lions, but they can beat the Bengals and they're going to beat the Broncos on Jesus Christ, is that Sunday night football next week? And then they play the Bears on Monday night football the week after. Wow. That sucks, man. <laughs> what are we doing here? Anyways, <laughs> yeah, big game for the Vikings. Second quarter, score 21 points. Anytime you can do that in a quarter, you're probably going to win. If you could have told Vikings fan or really any NFL fan that the Vikings would be six and four through 10 games, they would have been like, oh, Kirk Cousins is having an MVP level season and Justin Jefferson is proving why he is the best receiver in the game and worthy of that extension that he's probably going to get within the next, what, 10, 12 months. They're doing this without Kirk and without Jefferson for the last five, I believe. Josh Dobbs came in last week, one with one form, and he comes in this week, wins a tough game against a pretty solid Saints defense in his first game of first-team reps with the Vikings without Justin Jefferson. This is absolutely insane. I I don't know what to think of this Vikings team anymore. Their defensive scheme is very good. The personnel may maybe not as good outside of Daniil Hunter, but I've said that before. I'll continue to say it. They, they're wowing me right now. So, like you mentioned, Josh, if their schedule continues to fall their way and they can somehow reach 8, 9, maybe 10 wins, they'll be fighting for a wild-card spot. I don't think they'll catch the Lions. I think the Lions are just going to continue to win. But they can make the playoffs, and any given Sunday, if they make the playoffs, they might be able – if they're hot at the end and they run into San Francisco, Philly, or even Dallas, who knows what we'll see. Yeah, I think the Vikings are now 5-0 and without Justin Jefferson, which is just incredible. They're 5-0 and ever since they started listening to Creed, and um, I think that might just be uh, 
I don't know why every team isn't doing that. We just saw the Rangers win the World Series listening to Creed. So that just seems like a meta. But Josh Dobbs looks solid for the second consecutive week, 268 yards and a touchdown, 44 rushing yards and another rushing touchdown. Sometimes I, did, I didn't know he had that in his bag that he can just like turn into like Michael Vick. I didn't know he was that mobile, but he's really showing that he's kind of a dual threat quarterback. Ty Chandler was their leading ball carrier. He out carried Madison 15 to eight, which is something to kind of watch. They lost Cam Akers for the rest of the season. So it might be Ty Chandler. TJ Hawkinson was incredible. Again, he continues to be the main weapon with Jefferson out 11 catches, 134 yards and Addison had a solid day with four catches for 69 yards. This Vikings offense is just pretty solid, even without Kirk and Jefferson. And they probably get Justin Jefferson back next week. So they add the best receiver in football to an offense that's already playing pretty well. And you guys didn't, I don't know if you guys mentioned it, but Jameis Winston came in the game and yeah. just immediately changed the game. I think I have Chris Olave in fantasy, and I don't think he had a fantasy point until Jameis came in. And within two possessions, he had already got 15 fantasy points. It's uh, it's just ridiculous. He came in and was electric. Everything you expect to see from him, 122 yards, two touchdowns, two picks, perfectly balanced. Uh, that's how he does it. <laughs> perfectly balanced. Uh, Derek Hart, I don't know if he'll be back next week. I think he hurt his shoulder, and he's being evaluated for a concussion. But Chris Olave, ever since Jameis came in, he had six catches, 94 yards, and a great touchdown catch. Michael Thomas, he had a very eventful week. He was throwing bricks at people, I guess, but he got hurt early in the game. Kamara, he continues to get a lot of receiving work, seven catches for 33 yards, but a big win for the Vikings. The NFC South continues to kind of fall and to anyone's hands, and the Vikings have fought their way into the playoffs. Um, All right, moving on to another NFC North team, the Packers lose to the Steelers 23-19 in Pittsburgh. Um, another game where the Steelers get outgained and win the game. They are just great at that. They did I is this the first time they've outscored an opponent this year? I, I have that in my notes. They did yeah, outscore an opponent. Yeah, they did outscore an opponent. I'll have right? to ask LeBron. I'll ask LeBron. Yeah, getting <laughs> getting an update on that one. But honestly, classic Steelers game here. They ran the ball all over this Packers team granted this Packers run defense has been pretty shady for the greater part of the, of the LaFleur regime in Green Bay and this Steelers run game is something that for years they've been wanting to get back to like let's get back to running the ball let's draft Najee high let's go get some old linemen they haven't been able to do that they were able to do that today which heavily alleviated the pressure off Kenny Pickett who just hasn't been playing well He'll have one quarter where he looks like garbage, and then he'll have another quarter where he's hitting throws that you've never seen before. He is just he's truly all over the place. And when you can when you have a quarterback like that that's sometimes really, really good, sometimes sucks, it's very crucial to have a run game. And they did that today. They move up to six and three now. And I believe are they them and the Browns are the only two uh AFC North teams to win this week. So I don't have the standings in front of me, but I believe that puts them a half game behind the Ravens. And that would be second place, right? Browns are what six and three now, too. Yeah. I mean, have they played each other yet? So I think it's seven, I think it's seven and two, six and three, six and three, five and four. The Steelers beat the Browns the one time they played them. Okay. That was the Nick Chubb game. So they got the tiebreaker. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they'd be sitting at two, Browns at three, Bengals at four. I don't know if, oh, no, they're not all four in now because the Texans. Took right. the Bengals spot, but 
regardless, the Steelers look really, really good. To never, to just never ever get uh, more yards than your opposing team would be sitting at a 66.6666666 continued winning percentage on the season is just, it's huge. I mean, the Steelers, their offense is so inconsistent. You mentioned it earlier. Their running game was phenomenal this week. I think they accounted for over 200 yards on the ground. Uh, Jalen Warren, uh, over 100 of those. He just had a couple runs yesterday that were just like, they weren't beast mode runs or angry runs, if you're asking Kyle Brandt, but he just like slipped out of some tackles that you just were not expecting him to get out of. Even on his touchdown run, he like did like a spin or something and somehow got into the end zone. It was kind of crazy. But on the Packers side, I love nothing more than to see Jordan Love just be mid as fuck. It is amazing for me. I, I want them to extend him and let him just stink it up in the NFC North for as long as possible. I think they could have gone to Aaron Jones out of the backfield a little bit more to really get uh, the defense like playing closer to the line of scrimmage rather than forcing the ball deep where Jordan Love is already very questionable. But he did have that really nice throw to Jaden Reed in the fourth quarter trying to lead them for a touchdown in that two-minute drill. So I will give him props for that. But couldn't get anything done outside of that. So it, you hate to see it, but I love to watch it. Christian Watson continues to be invisible for the Packers. I believe that was Jordan Love's fifth interception of the season when he targeted uh, Christian Watson on that, uh, I think it was in the fourth quarter. But it, I, I'm just so happy. I, I love when the Packers suck. It doesn't happen often. So that's that's my main takeaway for Green Bay. Yeah, but I would think Packers fans are probably saying the same thing about Bears fans. So, well, then they're happy all the, the time because the, the Bears situation. always suck. I mean, with the quarterback situation, <laughs> they hope you guys resign Justin Fields. They definitely do. They definitely do. Yeah, I'm sure they do. Yeah, Steelers continue their trend of getting outgained, uh, also being outscored. You said it's impressive that they're won 66 percent of their games being outgained, but I mean. How many teams win 66% of their games being outscored? Yeah. It's basically it's, Not it's impossible. <laughs> Not many. But Mike Tomlin, he, he'll find any possible way to get to 500, and this team's definitely on pace for that. Uh, Najee Harrison, Jalen Warren, both great games. Najee, 82 yards and a touchdown. Warren, 101 yards and a touchdown. Kenny Pickett only had 126 yards passing, but they are able to find ways to win. And This team's identity really should be to run the ball down the team's throat and get Kenny Pickett just as comfortable as possible. T.J. Watt, he had another sack. The Steelers' defense played well. Jordan Love, I feel like he did show some sort of promise today. Uh, 289 yards, two touchdowns, two picks. But the offense just, I mean, they're playing a Steelers' defense. It's, it's hard to move the ball on them. Aaron Jones struggled to get going. Only 13 carries for 35 yards. A.J. Dillon outgained him. Nine carries for 70 yards. And they're really just a receiver by committee. They haven't really had an alpha step out. Jaden Reed had a great game as a rookie. Five catches, 84 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Packers offense, it looked better than it has in recent weeks against a great defense, but the Steelers, they know how to win games and got it done. Uh, before we move on here, speaking of the NFC North, we did have some NFC North news just drop. The Vikings <laughs> with Jordan Hicks injured in front of the program. Um, they signed Anthony Barr back home <laughs> to Minnesota. So... Uh, I guess good to see him back there. Uh, let Laporta cook him one last time. <laughs> or one first time, but one last time for a, a Lions tight end cooking a Vikings LB. But moving on here, Titans lose to Tampa Bay. This is the exact game script that we said 
always sucks for the Titans. They went down early. They couldn't run the ball with Derrick Henry. He finishes with 11 carries for 24 yards. I'm just horrible, horrible stuff from the Titans. This game, I didn't get to catch much of, if I'm being completely honest, but it kind of just, the Titans just seemed hopeless throughout, punting the ball all the time. Uh, Not many turnovers. I think they finished with, what, one turnover on the game? I believe they finished with one turnover. So they didn't turn the ball over a ton. Their defense played okay. But this Tampa Bay offense, and sorry, this Tampa Bay team finally figures a way to figures out a way to get a win. I know they had four straight losses coming into this game. They play a Titans team that we've said you said earlier, Mike, is variable is great when he gets a, his team gets a lot of rest. That was not not the case this week. But Titans kind of back to normal. They're sitting at three and six now, dead last in the AFC South, as we predicted, right? I think so. I th- I think that is correct. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. We said the Texans would be good. We said the Titans would be bad. I don't know if we said the Texans would be good. I think we said we'd like the. I think I had them at second. I think I had them at second. You might have had them at second. I think I had them three, and I think me and Mike each had the Colts two. Mm, that might have been it. I don't know. I, I don't know actually. It's I might have the Colts somewhere. four. Really? Oh, you it's might. A, mine's in my notes. I don't know. I wouldn't be shocked if you had the Colts four though. I think I might have heard you say the Colts were four, and I was like, okay, I can feel comfortable disrespecting his team now. <laughs> but <laughs> let me let me see. Uh, yeah, I had Jags, Texans, Colts, Titans. But I it was it, it was buried. it was Titans fourth, depending on how early Anthony Richardson plays. Colts third, depending on how early Anthony Richardson <laughs> plays. So that that part didn't didn't uh, work out at all. But whatever. Regardless, uh, this is a good win for Tampa Bay. They're at four and five now and just get themselves back into the mix in a week where the Saints lose, a week where the Falcons lose, and a week where the Panthers lose. Uh, For the Titans, I mean, it's starting to get kind of easy to stop them. You just get a lead on them early, and for Will Levis at least, you just take away his best weapon, DeAndre Hopkins, and make sure he's just practically invisible the entire game and make Will go to other players, and he just can't do it as well because they don't have that the talent that DeAndre Hopkins has, to be quite frank with you. The Buccaneers, they did that. They got a lead. They kept Derrick Henry out of the game. They forced Will Levis to throw the people that were not uh, DeAndre Hopkins, and he couldn't do it. Uh, Tampa Bay, they they won a good game. Uh, Baker played well, I guess. Rashad White was really solid, especially uh, on that screen pass, taking that for a touchdown. But like you said, Josh, I didn't catch much of this game. I said in the, the preview that I wasn't going to watch much of this game. But, yeah, Bucks, they stay alive in a division that's that. – this division. I forgot, I forgot you said that. That's right. the you were going this on. division, we have no idea what's going to come of it. So at least they kind of just get a game and stay close to 500 in a very inconsistent division. Yeah, this division is it's up for any of these top three teams at this point. Buccaneers, they're able to snap their four game losing streak finally. And Mike Evans continues to be one of the best receivers in football. He had a, a bad drop touchdown, but he continues to just rake in the yards he had six catches 143 yards he's just one of the most consistent players in all of football and baker mayfield played very nice 278 yards two touchdowns rashad white like you said played great but for this titans team they have now lost eight straight road games they've lost four of their last five and they struggled to get their run game going again and they're not going to win many games and they can't do that 42 yards on 16 carries will levis played pretty bad he is a rookie so he's going to have that learning curve he was sacked four times, threw a pick, played pretty poor. But it's interesting to see how the Tennessee Titans fans' narratives have changed with a different quarterback. 
They went from when Ryan Tannehill was at QB, he had no excuses to play bad. Uh, but Will Le- all of a sudden, Will Levis is in it. They have a lot of excuses, blaming the offensive line, blaming the coaching, blaming the receivers. So it's interesting to see. But Will Levis, they got to keep giving him reps, let him develop, and learn how to be an NFL QB. And just a good win for the Bucs. They're in this division race, and they definitely have a chance to win it. I will say I might be out on Braves with the Titans. Really? I know that everyone loves him and everyone just worships the ground he steps on. But there, he's had some weird energy this year. Like, I, who like, does he have on his team? I'm though? not talking about coaching. I'm just talking about his vibe. Like the way, like <laughs> the way he's been in press conferences. He's just been an asshole. He kind of like subtly is always blaming somebody. Doesn't I mean... take responsibility <laughs> that for his thing anytime. I know Titans fans are getting tired of him. They have for weeks. I remember when you guys remember when Levis got that big win. And then he was like, just like ago, right. yeah, like that video that was in the tunnel or whatever, where he was just looking like a dickhead. And and then he came after the game and was just talking some sort of way. But I know Titans fans were pissed off at that video. And overall, as a coach, I think he's a good coach. Is his team always mid? Yes. Have they done anything? No. But at the end of the day, I don't think he should be acting the way that he is. And there's just something up with him this year. It's kind of reminds me of back when, it's not the same situation, but Flores with Tua, how Flores kind of just didn't like Tua. Mm-hmm. It seems like it's that sort of situation. I mean, he did whatever he could to not get Levis out there in the season. This yeah. was a break and break glass in case of emergency situation. Whatever. I think he maybe just wants more of the credit, but I think I think he gets a good amount of it and has for the greater part. But maybe he'll go, maybe Blood will get his wish and he'll go coach the Patriots. <laughs> in a in a couple of years here, but yeah, that's a lot of the stuff I've been seeing uh, about if if Bill's out, who who are they gonna want? And I can say that I've heard Gerard Mayo. Though. I think a lot of teams want. Him. Mm, I I have heard that one as well. I people are treating this like Bill Belichick thing. Not to get off topic, but people are treating this Bill Belichick thing like he's gonna leave, and then this Patriots job is gonna be coveted. Like it's like a college basketball, like <laughs> someone <laughs> leaving, yeah. someone leaving like Kansas. Duke's it's open. Not, yeah, they're acting like it. Yeah, or like the Texas football jobs open. It's the NFL. I think a lot of people wouldn't want Robert Kraft to be their owner. Actually, people are gonna see the roster and the situation that they're yeah. in, and they're not gonna want it unless they finish no, with God, pick like no. one or two and have a chance to go work with Caleb. Will- Williams and or Drake May. Yeah. Outside of that, yeah, it's gonna be some like random. It's just not like a desirable situation. Maybe maybe Josh McDaniels gets his dream job. <laughs> that would be so funny. That would be amazing. That would be great. I'm rooting for that, actually. That would be great. Get Patricia back in there at DC. Yeah, my God. <laughs> oh, get the, get the band another, back together. Another two years of bad Patriots football, that would be. Have Vrabel come in there and be like the linebackers coach or something. <laughs> Some That's a true last dance. Yeah, it truly. <laughs> Have Bill watch from the sidelines, but we can we can uh we can move on here then. Next game here, the 49ers get back on track and blow out the Jacksonville Jaguars in Jacksonville. Uh this game was fairly close in the first half. Both teams hit field goals at the end of the first half. It was 13-3 Niners, and then that's kind of when it went south. Uh for the Jags per se immediately two plays 70 75 yards and a touchdown uh for the Niners to come out of half then Trevor Lawrence throws a pick Jags get a stop again 
And then that's when they had that drive where they went all the way down the field, got inside the 10, inside the five, I believe. They're down 20 to three. You think, okay, it's still in the third quarter. We can score here and we're in this game down 10 and at home. Then they have a Christian Kirk fumble, which at first was called the scoop and score. He took it all the way to the house. They called it like a 95-yard scoop and score. It did end up getting called back. It was a fumble. They were down. It didn't matter. The Niners got the ball, just took more time off the clock, scored on that drive anyways, and it was pretty much over after that. They did end up scoring one more time after that, but 34-3 final score. Uh, tough go for the Jags, who were really riding high, 6-2, and two, had won a few in a row. We're feeling great. Niners, though, what a big, big, big win for them to get back on track. They get all their guys back. They win. It just kind of seems when Purdy has all of his weapons, he's great. Yeah, this is the type of game where – the Jags, this they played like this all year, in my opinion, where they've been playing kind of subpar teams and their quarterback position hasn't been playing that great, but their defense was playing good enough and uh, Lawrence's supporting cast has been fine. But when you play a team that's as healthy and talented as the Niners were this game, you're going to get blown out if you don't have some special talent behind uh, your center. And Trevor Lawrence, he, he wasn't great. So the 49ers, like you said, Josh, they got healthy. They're back on track. This is the Niners team that we saw before their three-game skid right before the bye week. This is the Niners team that I expect to see in the playoffs when they're healthy. It was nice to see that Debo was getting a lot of touches. He was healthy. That's all nice and good. And Chase Young in his 49ers debut, him and uh, Nick Bosa were absolutely terrorizing the entire Jags offense, especially on those uh, five-step drops in the pocket for Trevor Lawrence. So that was really unfortunate for him. But Kittle, he had that nice 66-yard touchdown. Ayuk found the end zone early. Debo, like I said, got a few touches. But this is the 49ers that we expect to see the rest of the year, especially against subpar opponents. They're going to be really good. They're probably going to blow a lot of teams out, especially when they're healthy. Their defense was phenomenal. They're going to continue to be phenomenal, especially with that great Ohio State pass rush duo between uh, Nick Bosa and Chase Young. Yeah, the 49ers were able to get completely healthy, really coming off the bye, and the Jags, who were just riding high, they didn't really need the bye, and it kind of hurt them. Uh, this was Mr. Irrelevant versus the number one overall pick. And the 49ers, Mr. Irrelevant just dominated the entire game, really. McCaffrey sadly lost his 17-game touchdown streak. And kind of almost disrespectful. They kept trying to get it in the fourth quarter. Uh, Moses scored like 34-3. to three. Game was over. Two minutes left, and they were still trying to get the touchdown for him. But Went for on fourth down and everything. Yeah. I thought that was hilarious. When you're that far, when you can't complain when you're Jaguars. You should have been in the game. You should have done more during the game. So that's my take on that. But 49ers dominated. McCaffrey still had a solid game, uh, 95 rushing yards, six catches, 49 receive, 47 receiving yards. And Brock Purdy kind of looked like himself again. Maybe he was dealing with some sort of head injury, but 296 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, 153.3 QB rating, and some really impressive throws under dress in the pocket. Uh, Nick Bosa and Javon Hargrave both had two sacks, and Chase Young, he made his impact. He looked good. For the Jaguars, four turnovers. You can't have that against a 49ers team if you want a chance to win. Trevor Lawrence did not play good at all, really. Two picks, a fumble, a 48.8 QB rating. Disappointing from him in a game where you really want to keep showing that you're that guy. And I said it when C.J. Stroud, we're talking about C.J. Stroud, I think C.J. Stroud might be the best quarterback in this division. C.J. Stroud had back-to-back 335-plus passing yard games in his career. Trevor Lawrence has only done that once in his career at 335 passing yards in a game. So I don't want to say he's been almost disappointing considering he was like a generational 
quarterback, but he hasn't come up to what I expected from him so far. He's still been great, but I was expecting a little bit more from Trevor Lawrence, but still only 43 career games. He's got a lot of career ahead of him. And this 49ers defense just shut him down. Fred Warner, another interception. Uh, Jaguars are going to want to find something next week, but we've seen them with some tough losses come back and play strong. Okay, moving on here to maybe the game of the day, one of them at least, uh, the Browns and the Ravens. Um, this was a game that looked early like it was kind of going to be a blowout for the Ra- the Ravens over the Browns. The Ravens have that uh, pick six from Kyle Hamilton to start the game, which was just a tough start for, for uh, Deshaun Watson, who had been under just so much scrutiny. He played really bad in the first half. Deshaun Watson played phenomenal in the second half, 14 for 14 in the second half, didn't have an incompletion, played great. And honestly, the Browns won this game by a game-winning field goal. The way that they played in the second half as a team, they probably shouldn't have even been in that position. They probably should have just won by a touchdown straight up. I mean, you you look how, how this uh, second half started. The Ravens went down, they scored a touchdown. Browns answered with a touchdown. And then the Browns got the stop they needed to get. They uh, forced the Ravens to do a three and out. They muffed the punt. All of a sudden, the Ravens have the ball in the red zone once again after just getting forced into a three and out. Then they score a touchdown there. But then, like we said, this Browns team just continues to fight. They're great on defense. They get a tip pass that turns into a pick six. Deshaun plays great like he did this whole half. And then they just had the stops when they needed to. Overall, I mean, I'm not going to count that – 12-yard possession from the Ravens in the second half. But this defense, outside of that first uh, drive in the second half, pitched a shutout after that, and they just played phenomenally overall. And just what a gutsy road win for the Browns. Comeback win in Baltimore. You're now a half game out of first place, uh, tied with the Steelers for second in a tough, tough division. And Deshaun Watson, maybe this is the moment where he gets it going. Yeah, you kind of took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, Deshaun Watson, he was terrible in the first half, somehow flipped the switch at halftime, and was lights out in the second half. He was one of the main reasons they won this game, and if the Browns want to have success uh, in the late half of the season and in the playoffs, it's going to be on his shoulders. Whether uh, the defense shows up, which more more often than not they will, they've got the talent, they've got the pass rush, they've got they've got the corners, they've got the talent to do it. It's all on Deshaun Watson to keep pace with teams like uh, Kansas City or even the Chargers on their good days or Baltimore when they score 30 plus it's there's a lot of really good offensive teams in the AFC and the Browns having a good defense if they show up they can compete with anybody and this is that exact same game uh, Lamar he's got to he's got to find a way to keep the ball under control I think he had he had two interceptions did he have a fumble this game I do not I don't have it in front of me anymore but maybe I don't know if he did, but I know on the season he has fumbled 10 times, and I think he's lost five of them and tack on these two interceptions and any of his prior interceptions. I think he's got an equal amount of turnovers compared to touchdowns. I still think he's a really strong player. He's been playing well this year. But if he's going to make mistakes against a good team, you can't let them cost you in what turned out to be a walk-off win for Cleveland. But running the ball, they didn't get a lot going early. Uh, Keaton Mitchell had that one nice really – Really strong run, 39 yards for a touchdown, I believe. But I think went backwards on the other two runs that he had. Gus Edwards didn't get a lot of goal line work. They weren't on the goal line too much uh, yesterday. But we talked about it before. There hasn't been a real, like, 
uh, alpha receivers step up in this Baltimore uh, receiving room. Mark Andrews, yeah, he's a great talent. Zay Flowers, he's a, he's pretty good for a rookie, but you don't have anybody that's going to go out and get you like 10 catches for 150 yards like some other teams have. And until the Ravens really get that or Zay Flowers or Odell turns into that, I don't think Odell will, but Zay probably has the best chance. They're going to have to find someone. It's probably going to have to be on their roster, but if they don't get that, their ceiling in terms of playoff success might be limited. Yeah, this is just a classic Ravens game, though, where they had multiple chances to put the game to rest and win the game, and they just find a way to lose. Both teams had a lot of self-inflicted wounds. You talked about the the muffed punt. Lamar had a couple bad interceptions where you just can't have them. But Browns ended up coming out victorious. Lamar, I don't think he played terrible, but the interceptions, you can't have the turnovers in this league, and that really ultimately hurt them and lost in the game. Odell Beckham. He took a like slant 40 yards to the house, kind of looked like his old New York Giants self. Nice to see that. And Keaton Mitchell looked very solid in the limited action. He got three carries for 34 yards and a 32-yard rushing touchdown, had a catch for 32 yards. I wish they kept getting him the ball more because when he got the ball, he looked very explosive. But just a disappointing loss from the Ravens. Lamar seemed like the Johnny kind of wore off of him a little bit. He might have to tweet it again. But for the Browns, this is just a massive win, six and three. They're one of the three, one of the three lost teams, three of them now in the AFC North. And Deshaun, like you said, Josh was just incredible in the second half, 14 for 14, 134 yards, 16 rushing yards and a touchdown in that second half. Led a massive comeback win for him. Amari Cooper had a good game, six catches, 98 yards. And Jerome Ford was very good for their running game, 107 yards. Miles Garrett on the defensive side, two sacks. Their stars really just came out for them and got them this win. Greg Newsom had an interception. Their defense has just been incredible, and they've got some gutsy wins now in the AFC North and going to continue to be a slugfest all year. This is another situation where if you told Browns fans they were going to lose Nick Chubb week two for the rest of the season and then have Deshaun Watson for not even half of their first nine games, there's no way they would say that they're six and three. But They should be five and four, but regardless, they are six <laughs> and three. Uh, moving on here. Falcons and Cardinals, just a classic Falcons game here, played down to an opponent. Uh, Taylor Heineke, horrible game, then got hurt, and Ritter came back in and was the exact same way that he was before he got benched. B. John Robinson finally, finally gets the bulk of the carries today. Out carries Algier 22 to 9, out gains him 95 to 31, and B. John by a miracle gets in the end zone finally. So he played great. The rest of this Falcons team overall pretty garbage. They did the thing where they like compete for most of the game and then they go ice cold for a section and then they realize, oh, fuck, we're losing now. And then they have one good drive at the end. But it just wasn't enough because the Cardinals got the ball back and drove on their defense. That just has not been the same since Grady Jarek uh, went down. Um this Cardinals team, though, on the other hand, Kyler Murray, 250 yards passing in his first game back. He had a rushing touchdown as well. Or no, he didn't. Clay Toon had the rushing touchdown. No, so Kyler did have a rushing. Kyler, oh, he did. Oh, okay, yes, he but did. Clay Toon had the sneak. I was thinking of the right. sneaks. <laughs> but um, James Conner also plays good in his first game back. Sixteen carries, seventy-three yards. Trey McBride eight for one thirty-one in the first game with Kyler. So that was good. I mean, the Cardinals are just kind of screwing themselves with their draft pick here. But we knew that when Kyler came back, there was a chance they were going to win some games. This should have been one that the Falcons won, and they got to know that, though. You can't, you could could not lose this game. Yeah, on the Falcons side, Arthur Smith definitely hurt all the 
the the talk and said, "Hey, we want Bijan to get more touches." He said, "Okay, I'll throw him on the punt team." He ended up returning a punt for a little bit. I think he slipped and fell, but got right back up and just took it for a few more yards. But twenty two, like you mentioned, twenty two carries compared to Algiers nine. Um, four uh, 4.3 yards per carry found the end zone. That's good to see. But Arthur Smith is probably going to use that as, hey, we gave him a bunch of carries, but we lost. But he, he's a dumb coach, so we, we won't talk about that too much more. But Kyler Murray did just enough to stay in my prediction. He found the end zone on the ground. Love to see it. And the Cardinals win in another walk-off field goal uh, win in this crazy week 10. Uh, James Conner, like you said, played really well. Trey McBride, career day. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of people in my fantasy group chat go crazy over Trey McBride, mainly the guy who has him, uh, who also has uh, TJ Hawkinson, which is he's going to try and get as much as he can for him. And he's not an easy guy to trade with, I'll be honest with you. But that's neither here nor there. Cardinals, a win for them. Nothing but help for the Bears. Uh, I'm I'm all for it. Welcome back, Kyler. He is 1-0 under this new regime. Yeah, I'm really happy for Kyler Murray. He gets a win. Cod came out this week, and he still found a way to win. Maybe he's a changed man. So he's just he played pretty solid, especially for his first game back. He didn't really lose that much mobility, it seemed. He had the massive scramble in that game-winning drive where he took it, went back like another 15 yards, and ended up converting the third and 10 with his legs. So just really nice to see that. He played pretty solid. James Conner, you said he was back. Um, he played very well. This offense looked pretty solid for the most part. They didn't really have much Marquise Brown going. I expect that to him and Kyler to get more of a connection that they already have, but get it going more in these next few games. And I can definitely see this team winning some games and getting their way out of that top three draft order. But for the Falcons, I'm, I'm starting to get off of this train for the Falcons. Just it comes down to the quarterback play at the end of the day. You need a quarterback to play solid for you. And they really just, they have their moments where maybe they win a game, but it's it's been hard to come by. Heineke, hamstring injury, but before that injury, he was not playing well. Only eight for 15 or 55 yards. Ritter comes in. He had a nice rushing touchdown scramble, but still didn't look great. They were able to get the ball to Bijan, which is nice to see. And still not enough, really, Drake London or Kyle Pitts. But they both led the team in catches, but it was only three of them for both had about 30 yards. This team just needs a quarterback, and until they really get one, I, I, I think I'd take the Buccaneers over them at this point, especially with some of the injuries they're dealing with. Um, but for the Cardinals, just a nice win. Might hurt their draft pick, but I think they'll realize quickly that Kyler Murray is the guy for them. All right, moving on here. You said it before we started recording, Zach. All three of our teams for the second time this season have won in the same week. Uh, so good for us. Lions outlast the Chargers. 41 to 38. Jared Goff just tends to tends to get the better of these games when he plays in these big shootouts. Um, just what a wacky, wacky game. Definitely, I would say one of the best games of the year to watch just as a fan. Um, as a rooting fan, it was kind of hell at times to watch this game. But uh, as an outside fan, I'm sure it was great. Eight fourth down conversion attempts. I don't on the don't have the stats on uh where that ranks, but I got to imagine it's towards the top and seven conversions. Lions and Dan Campbell are four for five. We're four for five. Staley and the Chargers, three for three, about as on brand for these two coaches as you can get this game was. And just a an absolute shootout. The Lions defense played really, really well early in the game. They got a couple stops. Uh, you had the Kirby Joseph toe tap pick on the sideline, just an amazing play by him. 
on a ball that Justin Herbert might have been throwing out. Sadly, the Lions don't get points on that one. That was the one time their fourth down conversion didn't work uh, was on that drive. But the Lions just played really well on offense, and that's what they had to do. All the credit needs to go to Dan Campbell for just being ballsy and just laying it out there on the line every time he had the chance to. There was times, like, I mean, I've mentioned this game a couple times on this pod, but last year against the Vikings, I believe it was week three, Dan Campbell had the same scenario as he had yesterday where it's fourth and short. If you get a first down, you can drain the clock and kick a field goal, win the game. He decided to kick the field goal early in that opportunity. They missed the field goal. The Vikings go down and win a game they shouldn't have won. Dan Dan Campbell said, okay, I'm going to trust my offense. I'm going to trust my offensive coordinator. Let's get it here, and let's win the damn game at the end. And that's what they did. They didn't give the Chargers a chance to touch the ball in a in a second half where if you touched the ball, you were probably scoring on either side. And they just didn't let that happen. To, port, to point out a few specific players, Jared Goff was just phenomenal. That fourth down call where he threw that little just right over whoever was guarding Brock Wright, just threw that on fourth down, just threw it right over his head. Perfect pass from Goff into the end zone there. David Montgomery, 12 carries, 116 yards. We got to see the split between him and Gibbs. Gibbs did out-carry him by two this game. Gibbs had 77 yards on 14 carries, two touchdowns. Uh, David Montgomery had 12 carries for 116 yards and one touchdown. It's a little inflated with the 75-yard run. But shout-out Jamison Williams on that. Uh, He was the reason that that run didn't get stopped at, like, the 20. It was just way to stick with a play. You're the fastest guy on the field. You can go throw those blocks if you're willing to. That's all effort, and that's what he showed. He had two catches for 18 yards on the game. Should have had a touchdown early. Questionable call on Taylor Decker with the low block on the uh, first Lions drive of the game, but he played well. Amon Ross St. Brown, eight catches, 156 yards, was just phenomenal. And at the end of the day, the Lions don't turn the ball over. The Chargers turn the ball over one time. There was a lot of bad defense in this game, but there was just a lot of great, great offense from both sides. Two teams that are super talented on offense. I don't know if you guys have seen any of the clips that have come out of the Lions O-line just dominating the Chargers D-line. But when you can dominate a D-line that has the likes of Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack on it, you're going to be in a good spot early. Great win for the Lions. Everybody on Twitter that's trashing the Lions defense, they were ranked fifth overall in the NFL going to this week, and they were one in the run. That's going to drop probably closer to 10, but there's still one run defense. And this defense is plenty good when they're playing well. When you're a good team, when one side of the ball plays well, you have to, uh, or when one side of the ball doesn't play well, you have to play well on the other side. The Lions have done that all season, and now they're sitting at seven and two. There's a lot you could say about this game. It was a great game, but one thing I did notice uh, looking at the box score, neither team accounted for a sack. And given the fact that there's Aiden Hutchinson, Khalil Mack, and Joey Bosa on each of the defensive lines, that's shocking. It's really impressive uh, at the same time because Lions and their offense, they got the ball a lot quick. They hit their, their deep throws at the correct times. They were able to intertwine that with the run game with Monty and Gibbs both. That was really impressive. Even Aminara was getting some carries, which was cool. But he was also dominating in the air as well. Like you said, 150 yards and a touchdown. He's putting himself in that top five receiver conversation. Jared Goff, MVP uh, type game from him, keeping the ball safe, just being smart with it and scoring when he needed to. Constructing a good two-minute drill, especially on that fourth down. Just that There were two fourth down calls, obviously the one before the field goal and then the one in the first half where you ran the ball on fourth and five. 
That's just the ballsy move. That's knowing who you are and knowing your identity as a team. That is that that was impressive. And seeing that from Monty, former Bear, I couldn't help but put a smile on my face. But on the Chargers side, Justin Herbert, he did have that interception. But outside of that, he played very well. You can't blame this law. I saw someone on Twitter saying, like, so when are we going to hold Justin Herbert accountable for this? And I'm just sitting here like, you want him to go and play both ways and stop the Lions from scoring 41? What, what do you expect from him? He put up 38 and he did he did his job. I I was a I was a big advocate for Justin Herbert and the lack of execution defensively throughout the entire year and last year too. But this is just one of those games where if you're Justin Herbert, you're just gonna be like, damn, I did all I can do. That's just on the defense and the coaching and whatever you want to blame. Keenan Allen played really well. Eckler found a little bit of a groove on the ground. Uh I think he had a couple missed uh uh, opportunities through the air as well. He had a lot of targets, but only four catches. But but they were Chargers... under pressure, like back foot throws. Right. Yeah. It's just, there's not much you can do rather do that than take a sack. But it's a, uh, if I'm the Chargers offense, I'm not upset. Chargers defense, you got some stuff to work on, but you are also playing a really well-oiled machine in a healthy lines offense with Jameson Williams, uh, Dave Montgomery, Jameer Gibbs, and a healthy Jared Goff with time in the pocket coming off a bye. Very impressive win by the Lions. I don't know who on Twitter is out here saying, like, oh, Lions aren't legit or they're playing shitters or whatever. Like, come on. They're a good team now. Let's let's just admit it. Yeah, the Lions won again. Uh, game of the week, in my opinion. Two incredible offenses that just dominated the defenses they were going against. Goff played incredible, 333 yards, two touchdowns. Amon Ra now has four straight games with 100-plus yards. Uh, he had eight catches for 156 yards. Both the Lions running backs played incredible. Gibbs, 77 yards, two touchdowns. Montgomery, 116 yards and a touchdown. So they were just able to run the ball really all over the Chargers. And when they wanted to pass, Jared Goff was able to just carve up this defense. Sam Laporta, he was kind of quiet this game. Brock Wright had that nice touchdown. Uh, but Laporta was able to catch that nice fourth and two. And just these Lions rookies, they all continue every week to put in their their stuff to help their team win a big win for the Lions, beating another chargers team that's been playing better and a, a pretty solid overall team and it shows that the Lions are starting to find ways to win games which they have been. i think what's their record it's like 14 and or maybe it's 15 and four now since what since, i can't remember when that was from i think since it's they started their streak last since year started, so it would be eight win eight and one last year and then seven and two this year so what, 15 and three is that it it could what be a something like that. Something like that. Yeah. What a turnaround from Dan Campbell and this Lions organization. Still gonna find a way to not win a coach of the year in that stretch, though. <laughs> yeah. Well. Hey, Ben Johnson will get it next year with the Bears. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Justin Herbert played great though. 27 for 40, four touchdowns. Keenan Allen, he got hurt for almost like a whole quarter, but was able to finish with 11 catches, 175 yards, and two touchdowns. He continues to just be incredible this year. Really impressive. Chargers defense just couldn't get anything going under Staley, who's supposed to be this defensive-minded coach, and just really hasn't shown that out throughout his whole career, and he hasn't been able to make the correct in-game management decisions. So just, again, this is another game that the Chargers look like they have to move on from him. But big win for the Lions. They still have, a, what is it, a game-and-a-half lead over the Vikings. They had to win this one to keep that. And next week they get the Bears at home in a game that they should win pretty easily. So, Yep. 
Uh, just one quick note before we are two quick notes, I guess. Sam Laporta, three catches in every game so far this season. I believe he's the first NFL tight end uh, to have three catches in his first nine games uh, ever. So that's pretty cool for him. He's been phenomenal. And then, yeah, I've, I've been talking about it on Twitter all week. The Lions schedule is just absolute cake. Um, it would be a huge disappointment if they managed to lose any more than four games this season. Um, but moving on here. So watch out, Eagles. We're coming. We're coming. You got to start winning some of these games. But moving on, speaking of the NFC East, Cowboys go and they destroy the Giants. They cover the 17 and a half point spread. Dak Prescott. Yeah, just probably a little bit. Dak Prescott plays phenomenal. I'm going to be honest. I didn't watch more than a couple snaps of this game. Uh, So I'm not going to act like I did. But uh, Brandon Cooks, nine catches, 173 yards and a touchdown. Phenomenal. CD Lamb, 11 for 151 and a touchdown. Overall, I honestly don't have much to say about this game. The Cowboys, for the most part, are healthy, and they're trying to win games. The Giants, for the most part, are not healthy, and they're not trying to win games. There was just no situation where this game was going to be close. The Cowboys are really, really good against bad teams, but newsflash, none of those teams are in the playoffs. So we'll see what happens when we get to play meaningful football, Dak. I mean, I don't have much to say about this game. Uh, I'm honestly just going to stick to the Giants' side for the most part. Tommy DeVito and Saquon Barkley, I'm sorry for two different reasons. Tommy, I'm sorry that you had to go against a really stacked defense in your first ever start, but you still put up two touchdowns and only one interception, so positive uh, touchdown-interception ratio there. And Saquon, I I weep for the situation you are in. I am so sorry. (laughs) This This is bad. You had two really good runs in the first half, and I think both were called back by penalties. And then in the second half, once the Cowboys started rolling in their backups, and that's when you started getting a couple. But that's not your fault. Your team is shit. It's not your fault. <laughs> but on the Cowboys side, Dak looked like an MVP. CeeDee Lamb looked like an MVP. Even Brandon Cooks was looking like an MVP, but that's just because the Giants are shit. That's all I got. <laughs> this y'all coach of the year? Uh, I, I didn't yeah, agree coach with last year. year, but. Since week six, Dak Prescott's really been on a tear. First in uh, yards per attempt, first in passing grade, first in passing touchdowns, has the lowest, the fourth lowest turnover worthy play rate, which is really big for Dak Prescott, and second in total passing yards with a bye week right now. So he's really kind of turned it on recently. He's been playing great. The Cowboys, I took the 16 and a half point spread, and I really could not have been more right about my analysis of this game. I thought the Cowboys would be able to score at ease, and the Giants would struggle to score, and especially with this game in Jerry World. I didn't. 16 and a half was, wasn't enough. They should have made it like 30, but Cowboys, 12 straight home wins. This is like the second time I think they've done it. They did in like 78 to 81. They won 18 straight home games. So they're good in Dallas. Dak's been playing just great football recently. Like I said, uh, Rico Doddle led the Cowboys in carries and yards. 12 carries, 79 yards. We didn't see that much of Tony Pollard. I'm just going to assume that's because of the lead that they had, but C.D. Lamb continues his just incredible season. 11 catches, 151 yards, a receiving touchdown, and a rushing touchdown. He's really just, in this since this week six, he's been on a tear. Uh, Brandon Cooks, like you said, Josh, had a great game too. Dax, he's looked impressive. Now, this is a, a bad Giants defense, but in terms of them, they just have no hope. Uh, you said it, Zach. I just feel bad for Saquon Barkley. I think he should consider just having a phantom injury or something they didn't pay him and now it's it's sad and I don't really see enough people talking about how they've really wasted Saquon Barkley's career so far but 
one playoff game or two playoff games. I don't know, man. Last year was pretty good, coach of the year. (laughs) Yeah. One good season out of that. But and I don't know if you guys saw the first play of the game. Did you guys see the challenge by Dable? I did not. No. I I watched the game. I don't remember the challenge. He challenged the first play of the game on a play that really should not have been challenged at all. I think he just like accidentally threw the flag and then he like just had to challenge it. It was ridiculous. It was like he was challenging. I think they had a fumble or something, but one of the worst challenges. Coach of the year. Hey, at least we don't got to worry about old MCDC getting beat by that guy this year, but (laughs) got to worry about some others. But moving on here to the Seahawks beating the Commanders 29-26 in what was kind of a weird game because the offense, this is one I was peeking back in on when I had time in commercials and whatnot in the four o'clock window, but it was really like no one was doing much on offense in the first half. And then the second half rolled around, they continued to start slow. And then all of a sudden it went from like nine, nine to like 26, 26 and like a blink of an eye. All of a sudden both offenses heated up. I don't think either quarterback threw a pick this game. Yeah. Neither one threw a pick. Same how three twelve, three touchdowns, no picks, Geno Smith, three sixty nine, two touchdowns, no picks. Um, Obviously, Kenneth Walker had that huge touchdown in the second half. I believe it was like 60-something to the house. Uh, It was a catch, his only catch of the game. Um, So that was something. Speaking of running backs getting catches, though, uh, Brian Robinson Jr. as well, six catches, 119 yards, and a touchdown as well. Um, Kind of just a weird game overall, but they were playing off each other's momentum. This is, now that I think about it, though, these are two teams that play up and down to their opponents. So maybe they were just playing each other, and they're like, okay, if – Maybe we shouldn't score in the first half. And then, okay, we need to score. Everybody starts scoring again. But, um, yeah, they kind of just played to each other's level. Again, the Seahawks had to win. This would have been a miserable loss if the Seahawks managed to blow this one. But they get the win. They're now tied 6-3, and 6-3 and three with the Niners. And, yeah, should be interesting to see how this one plays out. They still got to play the Niners a couple times. Seahawks this year have struggled when Geno uh, struggles to keep uh, control of the football in terms of interceptions and fumbles. This is a game that the commanders really wish they had a couple really good edge rushers in. Unfortunately, it kind of comes back, it comes back to bite them. But Sam Howell, he looked really good this entire game. Even though they didn't put up a lot of points in the first half and the third quarter, he was lights out in that fourth quarter. That last throw over the two linebackers to who was it? Deomi Brown, Deami Brown. He that was an absolute strike. It was great. And Geno Smith just came down and did the exact same thing to DK a couple times. So this was just a battle of uh, two teams that we aren't – you've mentioned it before, Josh, that we don't know what they are, kind of on like the upper and lower ends of that uh, little middle tier, Seahawks on the higher side, commanders on the lower side, especially after the trade deadline. But Sam Howell, he's definitely a name to keep an eye on throughout the offseason to see how the commanders kind of build around him. They've got a couple – more than a couple. They've got a few draft picks in the top 50 this year. Maybe they go out and get another receiver. Maybe they – go and get a lot of old line help. Maybe they only focus on defense to go replace those edge rushers they got rid of. We don't know yet, but Sam Howell, he's been playing like a top 10 quarterback this year, even though he has been inconsistent. But as of late, he's looked really good. He's looked very good, and I'm, I'm very impressed by him. 312 yards, three touchdowns in this game. He now leads the NFL in passing yards. And just you really can't say enough good things about him at this point in the season. He's been their main bright spot and he's looking like their QB of the future. Uh, big credit to Eric Bieniemy for making him look this good. I don't know. Maybe he's that good, but it seems like Bieniemy should have the inside track to be their coach next year. 
But in the run game, the commanders really didn't have anything going. And like you said, Josh, they got Brian Robinson involved in the passing game, which we really haven't seen much from him so far in his career. Six catches, had a receiving touchdown. And just, again, you can't say any good enough uh, things about Sam Howell. Uh, he's really the story of this game for the commanders. And for the Seahawks, Geno Smith, he was the story of the game, especially in the second half. He played great at 369 yards, two touchdowns, and got the ball to all three of the big receiving weapon threats that he has. DK, seven catches for 98 yards. Tyler Lockett had eight catches for 92 yards. JSN had four catches for 53. He was able to get all of them involved and get the win. Kenneth Walker, he struggled early. He's been dealing with an injury, but he picked up 63 rushing yards and had that 64-yard touchdown reception. So he's kind of starting to hopefully get back on track. And Leonard Williams got his first sack with the Seahawks. So Seahawks, nice win to stay on track with the 49ers. And they got the Rams next week. So hopefully they can stack another one. And the commies got the that Giants defense that just gave up a lot of points. So hopefully Sam Owl can put up another 300-yard, three-touchdown game next week. All right, finishing up here then with Sunday Night Football, another uneventful game with one touchdown, the Raiders and the Jets. Um, Not much you could say about this game outside of punt, punt, field goal, field goal, field goal, field goal, field goal, punt, 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 touchdown. That's kind of how this game went overall. And even in the the wacky scenario where you see the Raiders get their touchdown, it's like, okay, it kind of seems like this game's going to be over unless – Somehow the Jets get like a defensive touchdown or if the Raiders just keep getting three and outs and they can get three field goals to add up to a touchdown. It didn't seem like there was any way this game was going to go in the Jets' favor. And then the Jets started to do a little bit on offense towards the end of the game, uh, uh, specifically in the back end of the fourth quarter. And then (laughs) Zach Wilson throws a pick and the Raiders are like, you know what, let's go three plays, no yards and give it right back. Give them one more try. And then... Honestly, if it wasn't uh, who not Garrett, who was the I can't think of his name, the tight end, the the Jets tight end. yeah, no, no, it wasn't him. It was the other one. Oh Conklin. yeah, Con- Conklin. Yeah, Conklin is the reason the Jets didn't win this game. Garrett Wilson was catching that hail mary. Conklin <laughs> knocks it out of his hands. Maybe he had the Raiders money line like I did. I don't know, <laughs> but um, Jets another disappointing one, especially on the day where the Aaron Rodgers news comes out that he's going to wants to return mid-December. You would have liked to gotten this one and been above 500. I think any scenario where you're at 500 or above in mid-December and Aaron Rodgers is like, I can come back. I'm good. I think maybe you let him if you're like four and six or five and seven or something at that point. I don't know if you can let that happen for your future of your team, but I guess we'll, we'll see what happens going forwards, but forward, but, um, as a lifelong NFC North fan that grew up hating Aaron Rodgers' guts, I have never had more respect for him in the past, even the past three years, his back end of Green Bay when he was starting to go against ownership and he was starting to really go off the rails a bit. From then until present day, I've gained so much respect for Aaron Rodgers, and I actually can maybe say that I, I like him. I might like wow. him a little bit. I know, let's, I know. Let's relax a little I know, bit. I know, I know, I know, I know. I, I want to see him succeed with the Jets strictly in spite of Packers fans because they were saying, like, oh, he's washed well. and all that. That's the only reason why I want to see him do well. But this was honestly the battle of two very bad offenses with mid-quarterbacks, or less than mid-quarterbacks, with superstar receivers that they just could not get the ball to. Garrett Wilson, I think, had 14 targets and nine receptions. Devonta Adams had six catches out of 13 targets. They, they should have had way more. Uh, each of them should have, but – Lack of talent at quarterback really just hindered them. 
Uh, I don't know what's going on with the Jets outside of their lack of quarterback and their offensive line situation, but they got to find a way to get Brees Hall just going a lot earlier. They got to get him going in the in the pass game a lot sooner. They got to get him going in the run game a lot sooner. They just they have to. What's going on? <laughs> oh yeah, um, Raiders. Nice game for him. Uh, Michael Mayer got his first career touchdown, so that was nice to see from him. And uh, I don't think I saw the bet before the game from Matthew Barry. His bet was one and a half field goals over under for Greg Zerline. I think that was probably the easiest bet of betters' lives because I think Greg Zerline had two field goals within like six minutes. Yeah, it was so, right away. <laughs> um, if you bet the over on the field goals in this game, you probably won. Uh, Josh Jacobs finally was able to get 100 rushing yards. He hadn't done that in a while, so that was good for him. I think I needed eight fantasy points from Josh Jacobs and Garrett Wilson to beat Josh here in fantasy. It was 16. That was pretty it was easy. 16. It was 16. Oh, it was 16. Oh, 16, well, yeah. Got that easily still. So nice victory there. Got me, got me on Mahomes Kelsey's bye week. I don't know if you want to yeah. tell you. <laughs> yeah. I'll put you in a put you in the toilet bowl there, buddy. So all right, all right, all right. <laughs> and I've got um, your first two in Dynasty as well. Love to see it. All right. This isn't a fantasy football show. What are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> We're we just doing talking this? about uh, how your team's in a rough position here. But Nice win for the Raiders. They're now 2-0 under Antonio Pierce. Um, they were smoking cigars in the locker room again, so they have momentum. They're they're happy. Um, sometimes when the vibes are good, it can help a team win games. And Maybe just Raiders interim coaches are just the greatest coaches of all time. We saw it with Pisaccia. Maybe Antonio Pierce interim head coach. He'll be great. But for the Jets, you, just, you have to find a way to win games. Zach Wilson struggled and you just have to find ways to win games, and they were unable to do that today. But they have chances, and they're gonna have to do it if they want to get Rodgers back. Yeah, I know I picked the Jets because I didn't respect the one game midseason the cigar smoking. But if you're gonna do it after every game, I can respect it if, it, if you're just gonna keep doing it. <laughs> but that about does it for this episode, the Week Ten Recap Engage Eight Podcast. Um, we will be back. This will be going up on Wednesday, I believe. We will be back on Thursday. Uh, for a week 11 preview and we'll talk about some college football and other things on that one but until then subscribe leave a like follow us on all of our socials in the description as well as our spotify is on there if you prefer an audio format and we'll see everybody in the next one